The Word of God comes to us today from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter, beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was distressed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the chief priests of the people and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they told him, for that is what the prophet has written. Behold, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you are by no means least of the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child, and when you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After having heard the king, they left. And the star that sent, that had gone before them uh, was the one that they had seen when it had first arose, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But after having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Who are these magi, anyway? Inquiring minds want to know. What did they really do for a living? And the answer is, we're not exactly sure. One possibility is these magi were actually astrologers. They were were people who made horoscopes, who looked to the stars and used the stars for magic and perhaps even uh, the occult. They weren't particularly wise in any sense of the word. As evidence of the lack of wisdom that they possessed, some people point to the fact that they actually gave away Jesus' location to Herod by their visit. Uh, We're told that 70 years later, when Nero was the emperor of Rome, Magi came to visit him as well. So maybe they weren't all that wise. But another theory is they were wise, that they were the most learned people of the day, that they weren't astrologers, they were astronomers, and they, com- they combined math and science and philosophy in their search for the truth. And it's because they were always seeking the truth that they followed this star until it led them to Jerusalem. Another theory is that they're simply priests of Zoroastrianism, a, a pagan religion, and a part, as a part of their priestly duties, they watch the stars and make calculations uh, based on the star. We don't know exactly what they did. We do know this, that when the star appeared to them, God was actually moving beyond the bounds of provincial Judaism and getting the word out outside of Israel and Judah. Well, when we think about uh, the Magi, where were they from anyway? Well, the basic theory and the prevailing theory is uh, we're not sure. There seem to be at least three candidates. If you look at Wikipedia, they will say they're from Persia. And actually, sources as old as the 3rd century in John Chrysostom will say that these uh, wise men, these magi, came all the way from Persia. 
But another source says that they came from Babylon and that perhaps Daniel's influence and Daniel's friends as they lived their life of faith in front of the people of Babylon may have had a a latent result that uh, people began to study Judaism and began to think about the Messiah and some even started to look for the Messiah. It's possible. Others say that they're from as far away as Ethiopia, that rather than come from the east, they came uh, from the southeast. We don't know for sure. We do know this. They came a long way. In fact, when Herod is making a decision to eliminate all the children in Bethlehem, he chooses a cutoff of two years old and younger, which tells us that the star had been in the sky for at least two years. So these guys, wherever they were from, had made a really long journey. Well, how many of them were there anyway? Well, again, we're not sure. Tradition that goes back to the 6th century says that there were three wise men after the three gifts. And uh, tradition names them Caspar and uh, Baltasar and, and Melchior. If you want to learn more about them, you can go to the Epiphany Dinner. But the fact of the matter is that that's 500 years after their parents. Another theory says the Bible doesn't really say how many magi uh, there were. And in fact, they probably traveled in a much larger group than three to make this kind of journey. We're not sure how many, but we know this, that the long journey they made was so far and so dangerous, especially with the costly gifts that they carried, that it was a journey that none of them ever dared to undertake alone. This journey, this faith journey had to be done in community. What about these gifts? Gold and frankincense and myrrh, what are they about? Well, we're not exactly sure again. There are a few theories about them. One is that these gifts are prophetic. Uh, and that is that, that these magi had inside information from God about who this Messiah was going to be. And so the gifts they present indicate the kind of life that this Messiah will live. The gold indicates he will be a king. The incense, the frankincense, indicates that he will function like a priest. And a priest is someone who is a go-between, like a bridge between God on the one side and people on the other. And the myrrh indicates that he's going to have a life of suffering and death, and that will mark his work. That's possible. Another theory is this, that uh, for whatever reason, these magi studied the Bible. They studied the Hebrew Bible and they found passages that referred to the birth of a king. And it said that when people came to visit the king, they would bring gifts of gold and incense. This is in Psalm 72 and Isaiah 60. Maybe these magi knew their Bible so well that they knew if they were going to show up at the king's birth, they better bring the appropriate gift. And they did. Another theory is also interesting, and that is if they were priests of Zoroastrianism in Persia, that the tools of their trade involved gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so when they present them to the baby king, the boy king, they're saying, we're giving up our way of doing religion for yours. We will give up our very life and the means of our livelihood for you. If this is so, it's a precedent for what will happen later in Acts chapter 19. We're told that when Paul preaches about Jesus in Ephesus, some sorcerers, people who make their money out of witchcraft and incantations, are so convicted about following Jesus that they bring all of their books with their magic incantations, all their sorcerer scrolls, put them on a fire and burn them as a way of saying, for Jesus, we give this all up. 
Not really sure what gold and frankincense and myrrh mean, but it does. One thing is for certain, these were very costly, valuable gifts, and they involve a great sacrifice on behalf of this boy king. Well, you might wonder, well, what in the world would the boy and his mother and father have to do with gold and frankincense and myrrh? What possible use would these gifts be to them? Well, one theory is maybe the gold helped them on their way uh, to Egypt, sort of finance their trip when they had to run from Herod. Though it's equally as likely the gold would make them a target for bandits as well. And frankincense and myrrh doesn't seem to have much use at all to this family. What is certain is this. It didn't matter to the giver of the gift what the recipient did with the gift. It didn't matter whether the baby had use for gold, frankincense, and myrrh or not. What mattered is they thought he was the king, and they didn't care what he did or didn't do with the gift. That didn't matter. The important thing was they had to bring the gift because he was the king, and they wanted to acknowledge him as such. What is certain is they thought he was king, and they knew that his kingship required from them a costly sacrifice, and they gave it, whether it was practical, whether it was used in the way that they wanted or not. Final question, what will you do in response to the arrival of the child king? What gift will you give him? And the answer is, I'm not sure. I don't know. That's in your heart. It's not in my knowledge. But this much is certain. Whatever you give, it will be a direct reflection of what you believe about that boy king. Because that boy would grow up, and as an adult, he would say these very words, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you give your gift, you give away your heart.